You're tuning into Edinburgh Chi Alpha's TNL, a place for community and growing deeper in your faith. Join us each week as two people sit down to discuss difficult questions found in Scripture. This is Q&A with Jesus. Hello, everybody. Nice to see all of your wonderful faces. Um, so... Before I get started, there is actually an element tonight that has the um, the option of being more immersive. So if you'd like to participate, um, go grab a candle right now and a lighter, light it, and you can turn off your lights as well. So this is optional. Don't feel obligated. But if you are interested, turn off your light. I'm going to go grab my candle. And then if you need a lighter to light it, that is significant. So here's mine. Okay. So while people go grab their candles and turn off the lights or wherever you're at, whatever's easiest, um, we are going to start off with something a little fun. So I have a couple wonky words that uh, you will more than likely not know the definition of. And so that's the good thing. I'm going to drop the word in the chat. I'm going to type it. And then I want you guys to respond with what you think the definition of the word is. So you'll type in what you think the definition of this word is. So no cheating. Don't look it up. Um, I want to have some fun for a few words. So I'm going to type in the first one right now. It The word is knitting, nitty naughty. So you type in the greatest guess of what you think that word means. The word nitty naughty. Okay, tying knots. When you don't agree with someone. Oh no, when you agree with something, but don't wanna take the trash out. Someone who is constantly walking into things. So, so, okay, I like this mischievous. Wishy-washy, you can't commit. I feel like all those are pretty good good guesses. You're a little nitty naughty today. Okay. Someone who is being bad while they're knitting. Yes. A cute bookshelf in the corner. Oh, it's like a nook. Okay. I will drop the actual definition. It is a handheld spool used for winding wool. Who would have guessed useless information like this still exists for us? <laughs> Um, okay, so the next word is boo-book. What do you guys think the word boo-book means? <laughs> a scary book. Fair. Aw, a comforting book. A Dr. Seuss character. I could easily see that in many of Dr. Seuss's books. A guide to being a ghost. That would be kind of fun. A wild animal, <laughs> my yearbook. Oh, a book written by none other than Boo from Monsters, Inc. Okay, so I just typed it. The actual definition is a Boo book is a small Australian owl whose cry sounds like more pork. Random, right? Imagine being in the woods and hearing someone in the distance, something in the distance say, more pork, more pork. I would still run. Um, okay. I have a, another one. The word is apricate. 
What do you think the word applicate means? If it makes you feel better, I'll give you a hint. It is a verb. Ooh, to insult someone. To acquire apricots. Heck yeah. <laughs> to eat an apricot. To obtain. Okay. I feel like those make sense. To attend a picnic. Aw, to affirm someone. Wow. These are all so sweet. These are good. Okay. So to applicate actually means to sunbathe. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Okay, my last word that I have is actually a phrase. Tell me, what does it mean to be born again? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh. <laughs> to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to accept the Lord as your Savior, arrow, a second chance, born of water and spirit, live your life for Christ. I love these. To be made new in Christ. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> to take a field trip to the hospital you were born at. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> oh. So I asked that question because I I realize sometimes we can really grow accustomed to using Christian terms without really knowing what it means, right? We have the moment where we're like, what does it really mean to be born again? And so that happens often with language. For example, um, the word ignorance actually means without knowledge, but now it's frequently described, um, used to describe someone who is like rude or disrespectful. And, and so within the realm of like our Christian faith, um, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be saved? And uh, the million dollar questions that our culture is asking right now is, what are we saved from? Why do we need to be saved? And why do I have to be born a second time? Uh, this is a confusing concept when we don't have these answers without the Christianese vocabulary that sometimes we pick up. So I wanted to give a pretty simple, straightforward illustration of this. So I want you to imagine yourself sitting safely on a pier and you're sitting in a deck chair looking into the water when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, someone flies by, they, he flings himself into the ocean and he dies right in front of you. You later on learn that he did this because he loves you. You'd probably think that this man's a lunatic, right? You're like, what the heck? I didn't even know him. But if on the other hand, you were drowning in the ocean and the man came and saved you, succeeded, but then drowned himself, you would understand, yes, this is love. And so this is what we were talking about is that Christians are telling people who are sitting safely on the pier, um, metaphorically, that they're that a person's drowning for them because they love them. And that doesn't make sense. And so then that's when we wonder why people aren't really coming into relationship with God is because they don't know that they are the ones who are drowning in a need of rescue. And so it's like my favorite old dead guy, bringing him back. Half of you probably already know him, uh, A.W. Tozer himself. Um, in the book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he quotes, boom, in the chat. He says, but unless the weight of the burden is felt, the gospel can mean nothing to the man. And so that is the point I'm driving home is I want to ask you the question, um, what does it mean to be born again? And why do we need to be born again? 
And so if you're still trying to ask that question and trying to find that answer, you're in good company and in the right place because Nicodemus was in the same position. He was asking the same question while Jesus was walking the earth. He was asking who really is Jesus and what does he mean when he's talking about a kingdom that's coming? What does he mean about all this newness? And so the best part about Nicodemus seeking out Jesus is that Nicodemus was actually a religious leader. And he's known as a Pharisee. And so this man who looks like he should know all the answers and was a scholar was still seeking truth. He was still hungry. He was still teachable. And that's what I loved. Like, as I've studied this, I love the heart of Nicodemus because it's so easy. We see it today. Some people just become so unteachable because they believe they found the truth. They believe they found and understand every complexity and and mystery of the world. Um, However, when Jesus teaches us that it's so healthy to stay humble and hungry for what Jesus wants to teach us and what he wants to show us. And so um, maybe to avoid some ridicule from his other religious peers and followers, Nicodemus goes and, and realizes that Jesus has some tea and that Nicodemus wants that tea. He wants to know the truth. He wa- he knows that Jesus is spilling some things to people and Nicodemus is on the outside hearing some of it. And he's like, I'm missing something. Something's not adding up here. And I need to have a personal date with Jesus. And so he sets it up at night. And so hence why it's dark. And it is in a like candle lit. Um, I mean, this is just for the, the, mo- the video that I'm setting up, but I want you to kind of envision this with me um, that we're going to be a fly on the wall in this conversation that Nicodemus chooses to have. And Jesus chooses to meet with Nicodemus at night on a rooftop to have a conversation that we would end up quoting for thousands of years. And as it is a crux of the Christian faith to begin with. And so picture yourself as a fly on the wall late at night with a candlelit conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus you're sitting there. It's a flat roof, similar to like a second floor balcony. Um, the uh, eastern, the, the Middle Eastern summer breeze is blowing. The candles are lit and the scene will begin. And that's where we'll, um, if you want to follow along in your physical Bible as well, you can turn to John 3, uh, John chapter 3. Uh, verses 3 through 21. So this is the um, the visual story of what's being written in John 3. Don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. slums. Mm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm. But I have never heard anyone tell the paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe You are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from 
God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, and she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes. And I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But, but God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. 
God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day. Cool. I love that clip because this conversation <clears throat> is Jesus telling Nicodemus that he has come to bring not just restoring things, but regenerating things, new things. It's all about uh, new. And so the 50 cent word regeneration uh, means to be born again, or the better word is born above, um, born from above. And so this is why we see Nicodemus ask Jesus about um, being birthed again, which is uh, that, that term is like a homonym, which means that it's like the same spelling, different meaning. So it's like the word pen, which is a utensil that you write with, and then also a space that you keep animals in, or a book, which is something you read and uh, to reserve uh, a space um, to book a room. And so with this uh, born again, uh, Jesus is saying in referring to um, something beyond the physical. And this is why he references uh, what's born of the flesh is flesh and what's born of the spirit is spirit. Um, this word comes from a Greek word, um, another, uh, another, which means born from above. And so Jesus is using this birth analogy um, in tracing a spiritual newness of life to a divine beginning. Um, it's, it's no longer about uh, where our family tree is physically, but spiritually where our divine beginning is. And so um, we realize in this conversation that regeneration is about newness. And this is why people are still like walking around who are alive. Like we're not looking around and um, like seeing people who are, I don't know why this is here. That's okay. So anyways, my point is, uh, with regeneration, with this being born above, it's a concept of we are being rebirthed. It's this concept that we are new and alive. Um, and so when we're talking about alive, we're also referencing that we're dead prior. And so this isn't talking about a physical death. This is why people aren't um, just laying around dead, but it's referencing that people are spiritually dead apart from God. And so it's like cutting off the branch and hoping that it'll just stay alive without being attached to the tree. And like Ephesians 2.1 says, within our natural state, we are dead in our trespasses and sins until we are made alive, which is that regeneration, until we're born from above by Christ. And so this is the beauty of Christ and why it's so significant and special is because he makes us alive. And so two things about being born above is that one, it is radical, and two, that it is required. So born above is a radical change. Again, it's it's implying 
that it's beyond our physical birth and that it's um, with a physical birth, it's entering the earthly realm, but with a spiritual birth, it results in a new person entering the heavenly realms, which is from Ephesians 2, 6, we read. And so where does this change come in though? It's a new destiny that requires a new origin. It's, it's one that is given to us from God. And so after being born above, we begin to actually see and hear and seek after divine things. And uh, we begin to live a life of faith and holiness. And this is um, Christ forming in our hearts and um, making us into his image. And we are partaking in being made new creatures. And so we realize that God and not us uh, is the source of this transformation. Ephesians 2, 1 and 8 reference that that this is God's great love and free gift, his rich mercy and, and grace is the cause of this rebirth, is the cause of something we can't control um, that, is, that is from the heavens, that is from God. And so um, being born above is required because uh, sinful human flesh cannot stand in God's presence. And so um, in his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus says it twice, that a man must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. And so we see here that this rebirth isn't just an option, something that's an add-on, something that's nice to have, but he references that this is the whole, this is significant, that this is something that is essential, something that is required. And, and we realize that physical birth fits us in uh, fits us for the earth, but we see that spiritual rebirth fits us for heaven. And so um, this is the message of hope that Jesus brings with us and brings to us is that um, he is making us spiritually alive through our faith in Christ. And that this is when we realize that we are no longer the person sitting on the pier, but we are the person drowning in need of rescue. And so... Um, this brings like a fullness to Jesus's words as well in Luke 5 31, when he's referencing that it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And so Jesus didn't come to just make bad people good, but he came to make dead people alive. And so we see this is the beauty of the cross that we now have life through Christ and in his death and resurrection. And this is what blew Nicodemus away. This was, this is why we saw him. This is why we read when he's struggling to comprehend is because it, it's something so controversial, something so big and something so out of our own control that we can uh, systemize and follow um, step by step. And so I'd love to spend kind of the next couple minutes um, just with a worship song that guides us through some truth statements about who God is and um, what Jesus did, because I think the song is really significant to see um, through this whole, like through Easter season, it's so easy to go through the motions, to fill the baskets, to go to lunch um, and, and see some family without Jesus really ever being brought up other than maybe the prayer before the meal. And, and so I just wanted to spend some time really at least recognizing tonight um, Jesus's worthiness in our life and the work that he does 
that we cannot do on our own, but that he so graciously and willingly um, extends to us and, and rescues us with. And so um, Johnny's going to be putting on a song, um, Is He Worthy? And you can respond, you can worship um, however you'd like, but I'd love for you to um, watch and, and, um, and reflect on, on Jesus's worthiness.
I love that song so much because it just reminds us um, that Jesus is worthy of our life because he's the one who has given us regenerated life. He has given us true life and that he is worthy of it all because he gave it all for us to be in relationship with God again. Uh, he, he died that we may be alive uh, with divine purpose. And so um, we really see here that um, the born above life gives us new identity and it gives us new purpose. And so, um, I really started processing, like, what does it mean to, to live like the born above, like born from above life? Like, what does it really mean to live from a position of believing that Jesus has not just, um, kind of like washed us up a little, but he has actually made us new. He's given us a new birth, um, that he has given us new life that only is from him that gives us life in abundance that gives us new identity and new purpose and i really um wrestled through this as i tried to write about it because i it's really hard to write about getting you guys to you know move in truth when a lot of this really comes down to identity um before purpose um and that's why the resurrection comes before Pentecost. And that's because like identity must be established before our purpose can be uh, lived out. When we recognize our identity is in Christ and Christ alone in his life that he has given us because he has risen us from death to life to live that same mission, to walk around waking other hearts to life as we ascribe just love and worth um, to, to Jesus. And so I really realized that um, like the born above life is living with purpose. And so you're no longer living your life to just be a teacher or a nurse but with the born above life, you're living to reach spiritually dead students through the avenue of teaching. And you're living to reach spiritually dead patients through serving as a nurse. You're no longer just getting married. You're living to reach the spiritually dead couples that God will connect with you through your life in abundance. You're no longer just playing video games, but you're living to reach spiritually dead people through gaming. What are we doing with what the Lord has given us in our life, with our skills, with our talents, with our desires, with our hobbies? Are we really using it as a means to an end or is that just our end in life? Because if it is, we're definitely cutting God short of the glory and honor and worth that he deserves for he's given it all for us. And he's asking, as I've brought you to life Will you walk around and do the same? Will you love me and ascribe worth to me in order to help wake hearts to life? And so it just, I really realize it's, it's living from a place of being alive in Christ, rooted in Christ and craving to share this life with people who are also, who are still dead to their sin, like dead in their sin, in their trespasses against God. Um, and so for people like us, um, for people um, on here tonight who um, identify with Christ and who are um, like born from above, 
um, this this place of put choosing Jesus. Um, we're no longer just being saved from something, but we are actually experiencing a whole newness that um, might not be fully experienced um, in one moment. But as we really aim to live our life with new identity and new purpose, we'll we will see um, that fruit. And um, I just wanted to end with Ephesians two six because it just kind of made me realize living in a position from being born above is in Ephesians 2, 6, when Jesus says um, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. And so it's asking yourself tonight, you know, how can I continue to live from a position of new identity and new purpose? And how can I use all of the things that Jesus has placed in my life as a means to the divine purpose that I have been given? Um, and so uh, that's what I would love for us to pray about. So um, Jesus, we just thank you so much um, just for your work on the cross. We thank you um, in, in the beginning of creation uh, when the fall happens and that your plan was already set, when you knew that, that uh, you would crush the enemy and that you would restore our relationship with you, that we had separated from you, that we had pushed away. But God, you have loved us so much that you stayed by our side, that you sought us out, that you still uh, made a covenant with us, that you allowed us to leave, but you never left us. And that you continue to pour out your love and grace and honor to show us there is no way for us to earn our, our ourselves back to you. There's no way that we can reconcile our relationship with you on our own means. But Jesus, that's why you came to demonstrate that you have forgiven us, that you have uh, reconciled us back to you, that you have asked us to live in that new identity and new purpose as a as a as a uh, child of uh, our true Father, um, as our identity in Christ is is a, a new being and a new creature. That God, you have reestablished us and brought us back to life with the divine purpose that you intended. And so, God, we love you, and we just thank you so much, and we pray through this season of uh, the resurrection that we recognize that you are the one who um, has done the good work in us, that you've um, rested in us, and you rest in us, in work, and you move to build your kingdom through us. And so, God, I pray that you help us to see that you are so worthy of it all, and that we will, um, we will lay everything at your feet and ask for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we will seek your kingdom and your righteousness first. So we just thank you so much um, just for, for who you are and what you've done. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.